you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. We will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for Person of Interest, featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit, Anna. Jude, Anna, how you doing? I got to tell you, I am heartbroken. What's that? Did you hear that they canceled the Person of Interest sequel? It was yeah, supposed to get you. one more season. The 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 showrunner said that they needed one more season to wrap up the plot, and they canceled it. Yep, uh, David Zoslov is our eternal. It, it will, I think, is just the enemy of all podcasters at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they also HBO also not not even just canceled, like completely murdered one of my favorite shows, which is Close Enough. Yeah. That was a, there was a very fun cartoon, uh, nice mixture of slice of life and fever dream. Oh, is this the one where they like, they didn't just cancel it, but they like. It's one of the ones ev- that they. Eviscerated it yeah. from existence. It's one of where, the ones, like, yeah. I'm going to try to track bananas. down Blu-rays of it, but. Yeah, me well, luck. I mean, I feel like it's safe. I feel, I feel morally confident saying that you should just pirate the fuck out of that. Yeah, um, I, I think yeah. it is like, a. I think it is like a stance of ours um, here at the Babylon Project that piracy, in the sense of media preservation, is a good thing. Yeah, like yeah. go ahead and like find the creators, and I'm sure all of them by now have a Patreon or a Kofi. <laughs> so like, throw them some scratch that way. Yeah, and and buy the Blu-rays if you can find them. But like, yeah, pirate that shit. Anyway, uh, yeah, poor Westworld. Uh, that was a confusing show, but boy, they really dug into it. I didn't understand the first two, the first like two seasons, how they were. I, mean, I didn't follow how they were going to connect it to person of interest, but season three, they really got there. So I was pleased. <laughs> I still haven't made it past season two, but maybe uh, we've talked about that being the next show we watch here. Well, yeah, you gotta, you gotta finish person of interest before you can watch the sequel. You did it all out of order. No wonder it didn't make any sense. Anyway, um, we have some episodes to talk about tonight, don't we? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I just ignored how you guys are doing. <laughs> just Anna, how you doing? Yeah, I'm how doing. I'm doing, doing pretty okay. Not not quite looking forward to the like 17 hour shift working the election on Tuesday, but it'll be fine. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't like democracy that much. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be doing. I'll be doing same day registration. So all the yeah. people who have you know are not registered to vote can come over to me and i can register them and then they can vote it's very exciting more likely the people whose uh, eligibility has been revoked through some draconian republican law this is maryland jude i don't know anything about other states i'm not (laughs) this is this is like we might be small but where the intensity of blue color is is uh okay 
pretty all right. it's no, pretty it's pretty blue yeah well you understand i live in ohio so i just assume everybody has a uh rabid and insane state house that is passing just <laughs> the most dog shit laws possible so you'll forgive me if i don't assume that your your local <laughs> government is sane and helpful how about you justin how are you doing today I'm doing well. Um, I have been, I like, I've been, I've been like consuming like a lot of stuff that I don't have to do anything for, which is nice. Like, I read the first five volumes of Chainsaw Man this week, which is excellent. Incredibly, like, it's it's that wonderful mix of like incredibly dark, but also with some very like truly light moments. That very fun. Is this the one about the guy that's? Got a his head is a chainsaw. Yeah, he basically like it's it, it is about devils and like this. I, I'm not spoiling anything. The dude has like an actual like thing he pulls and like a chainsaw comes out of his head and hands. Yeah, it's it's like there's some there's some real good like body horror shit in it. Um, and it's and like it's got some scary ladies who are really hot. Um, I mean, there's that's what else really like. Well, the answer to that is called Gundam, the Witch from Mercury. I have been meaning to watch that, but I've been meaning to ask you or one of my other Gundam-obsessed friends, of which there are like seven right now, whether or not that is a show I can watch without having consumed roughly a quarter of my life's worth of Gundam. So, I mean, I I would say that, like, the the cool thing about it is that, like, so I'm probably, like, one of the more, like, I, I, I'm I'm not very big into Gundam, but what from what I understand is it's like Transformers, where there are a bunch of different universes that all have like the same themes and ideas. Okay. Um. So like, each of like my like there, there's like one big universe that's like that like the main like the original Gundam is part of and like a bunch of sequels and stuff. But like I'm a big fan of Gundam Wing, which is like from what I understand is a lesser Gundam series in like the holistic view, but is what I grew up with. And like I you know, it's the it's the one that has a place in my heart. And but Witch for Mercury is its own thing. Like if you know what a Gundam is, cool. Like they actually do some cool stuff with like the idea that like Gundams are like special and require like special humans to pilot them because they are giant fucking because robots. what makes them special hurts people to pilot them, which is very cool. Um, it's set in a boarding school, which is really funny. And like, there's a dueling club. So it's like, it's, it's this weird mix between like Mecca and like freaking uh, Harry Potter. And like, like it's like a, like a, a school anime. Um, oh yeah. So, so nice. like my hero academia. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the first episode ends with like uh, the main character is like a recl- like is a rec- is basically like a reclusive shut in with no social skills who gets sent to boarding school with a Gundam, um, and <laughs> sold. Enough said. Yeah, like who has zero? Like when I say zero social skills, accidentally ends up engaged to a princess at the end of the first episode. Wow, sold. it is. It's gay. I'm, it's I'm, ridiculous. Yeah, I, I yeah. love it. You don't need to say I'm, more. I'm I'm curious I'm to see board. how it'll stick the landing, but like so far, I'm really enjoying it. Cool. Um, I'm into it. Yeah, we are. Um, we're pumping the. We're we're we're, we're, we're going easing it slowly because we are hitting. Um, 
not the first episode, but the but the the second episode we have, and whatever you're gonna listen to next week, um, we got some shit to go through here. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. covering episodes seven and eight tonight of season three, the perfect mark and Endgame, which is a very ominous episode title that lives up to being very ominous. Yeah, uh, I've got perfect mark, so I'll begin. Uh, this is such a confusing episode. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy and hate this episode in almost equal quantities. Um, you can't even separate the weird number plot from the good HR plot because they are entwined too, too completely. So let's just get into it. Our number is a con man with legitimate hypnotherapist skills, apparently, posing as a hypnotherapist named Hayden Price who hypnotizes his patients into giving up their account information. Um, he also conducts bizarre, like, staged murders to get out of his, to get away from his patients. It's a whole thing. He's conned the wrong people, however, as he's gotten mixed up within a hopelessly stupid and overcomplicated money laundering scheme HR is running involving fake sports memorabilia auctions. They put up fake items for sale and use a cutout named Vanger to bid on the items with their dirty money, then move the money offshore where it is now clean. Can't they just money launder with NFTs and Bitcoin? Nobody actually knew what that was in 2013. Thank God. I mean, Bitcoin definitely existed. I don't think. Well, no, no, no. I like at the time I had a friend who was mining Bitcoin yeah. in like 20, 2013, but like normal people didn't know what that was. I'm just we're saying. not normal people. We're not normal people. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be very clear. We're not normal people. We have never been normal people. I know. I'm just making a joke about the fact that NFTs are for money laundering and that's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, there's more, there's easier ways to, like, there are better ways to launder money and give back to the community. Cash restaurants. <laughs> but HR doesn't care about giving back to the community. No. Well, I mean, yeah, HR, HR does not. But like, I'm pretty sure that I like at least two donut shops in my neighborhood are are like mob fronts. As long as they make good donuts, I don't give a shit. Oh yeah, they make great donuts, but they're cash only. So that's how you that's how you know is like any yeah. business that does like high volume of cash like transactions, like most likely clean, but never like completely not a hundred percent, like ninety percent at most. Yeah, it's it's either money laundering or just straight up tax fraud because the like one of my one of my favorite pizza places in Montreal um used to be named Emilio's and it was a cash only business. Um and they got hit for tax fraud um and rebranded to be Amelia's and are still cash only <laughs> <laughs> and still make fantastic pizza. Nice. Uh, well, in this episode, the problem is not tax evasion. It's that Vanger apparently needed a hypnotherapist and went to Price, uh, who got access to his accounts and tricked him into bidding on an actually va valuable baseball, a $4.4 million baseball signed by an entire Yankees, uh, Yankees team from some year. It doesn't matter. It's the Yankees. Nobody cares. Uh, and then <laughs> used his girlfriend and a child which seems like dubious ethics, but whatever, uh, to swap it out via a, some sort of pawn shop. Uh, but wait, there's another twist, uh, which occurs at the end of the episode, in which we find out that he was being conned by his girlfriend and the kid. <laughs> I hate this. Um, I love it. After no. he has that, like, sincere moment, where he's like, 
the, my, my ultimate con is going to be when I turn myself into the person who she fell in love with. And she's like, ha ha, sucker. I'm going, I'm going to Kama with my four million bucks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, the team helps Price fake out Lasky and Turney into thinking Price is dead. The girlfriend, Natalie, gets away. And in the end, Turney kills Lasky while he's showing Carter the pictures he took of HR, who have been running around like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to figure out where this fucking baseball went. Um, the, in the end, uh, yeah, Turney kills Lasky. Carter shoots Turney. No, no, no. Lasky and Turney kill each other. Yeah. Oh, do they? Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I watched this like two, week, two it's weeks like, ago. It's like so. a... You know, pistols at dawn sort of thing. Okay. Well, they, they shoot each other. Carter shows up. She asks Lasky, like, who's number one? And he puts a bloody fingerprint on Quinn's face, who she had talked to just that earlier in the episode about, like, oh, my poor boyfriend. And he's like, yeah, it was a real shame. That poor boy had to die. <laughs> and now she knows that Quinn is the head of HR. Uh. Everything about this episode that's good has nothing to do with the plot. <laughs> Except for the HR stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Everything with Carter, A+. Plus, thumbs up. All the stuff with, like, Root and Finch bickering about the machine. Yes. Good. Love it. Everything with the plot. Every plot twist. Everything about a baseball. All of that is so fucking annoying. We're going to have to agree to disagree. It's brilliant. I, I, it's stupid oh in like it's stupid in like now you see me too energy way. Um, I think possibly, and I'll grant you this. I think possibly it's the fact that three of the best episodes of the show are looming on the doorstep of this episode, and so you're waiting for like this unbelievable triptych of episodes coming, and meanwhile you're dicking around with like. Who's got the baseball but fucking see, if we didn't have the opportunity hand. to take a breath with the who's got the baseball game, then the next three episodes wouldn't hit as hard, right? It's like it's like why I, like Dune was miserable to watch because you it's super pretty and like I love Dune, but then the movie like never gives you a chance to breathe. So by the end of it, you're just like all you're doing is laughing at the dramatic parts because you haven't had a single millisecond of comic relief. I I think the one thing that it's a shame I this podcast is, ended so abruptly. <laughs> the one thing that I think like hold on no we're not done talking about I'm the, not, the, I'm not Denis I'm, Villeneuve's I'm, Dune. We're going to have to back up and and have a a very short conversation about the fact that we will never agree on this subject. That <laughs> movie's a masterpiece. That movie is my booze. So good. That's all. I'm not going to make a thing about it. I don't want, I don't, we have a lot of, we have a lot of podcasts to record tonight and I don't want Justin to get drunk before we, before we hit, uh, the last episode. We're recording had, like, tonight. Like, it's been like two years since I've had to drink on a podcast to get through it. And that was when we were going through some really bad Discworld books. Didn't you drink a fair bit during season five of Babylon five? Oh, right. I, I mean, that that is my memory is bleached. Uh, of <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll do an episode. We'll do we'll do a tell you what, listeners, you back our Patreon at a high enough level and we'll do an episode all about Dune. And you can listen to <laughs> on and I argue about the merits of, of Denis Villeneuve's or whatever. You, I can't pronounce his last name because I'm not French Canadian enough. Dune film. It was good all enough right. to get a sequel.
Anyway. Uh, so w- the thing that I think that is a little silly about this is that I think for this episode and this episode only, there's a weird thing where HR is bound to the inverse ninja law. Um, <laughs> that, Explain. That, uh, so the inverse ninja law is a, I would say like a trope of like the competency of mooks in a scene is inversely proportional to the number of mooks in that scene. So like if you face down one ninja in a dark alley, you're in for some shit. If you've got 20 ninjas who are like coming at you in a warehouse, like hit the cool peppy music, you're going to kick ass. Yeah. Um, Fascinating. And I think that HR is like, I think like, I think it's fun, but compared to what we get in the next three episodes, HR is so laughably incompetent in this episode. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Like, like I don't mind it, but it is a little weird. Just like how, Everyone, like all of them are complete idiots of this. Well, you know how this show is renowned for its absolutely on point music choices? Mm-hmm. I feel like this episode is a case where it really blew it because it really should have had, oh God, it just went out of my head. Yakety sax. Yakety it sax. really needed to have yakety sax every single time HR was on screen chasing this goddamn baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Which is to say, I agree with you. They do come across yeah. as absolute goobers. Uh, Except I kind of like the, I kind of like that characterization of HR and like they, they're where they are, like not because they're actually competent, but because of like the institutional power that they have. Oh, yeah. Like I like it in this episode. Yeah. And it's like, oh, hey, they are faced with a problem that they cannot like cop their th- way th- out of. That they can't cop their way out of yeah. and requires them to like get into get good intelligence and that completely screws with them. But yeah, <laughs> it's just it's a weird it's a weird deviation. Yeah, yeah. I I do love all of the root and Finch stuff in this episode. Yeah, that's all. That that's we're going to see is an evolving theme over the next couple of episodes of root and Finch like debating each of theirs relationship with the machine. And this becomes not just over the next few episodes, this becomes a, an ongoing conversation. The two of them have. Yeah. Yeah. Each of them have a different relationship with uh, there's, I can't remember which episode it's in. I don't really care. Root says to Finch, you have the relationship you want with, with her and I have mine or something to that effect. Yeah. And that kind of becomes the tone of these conversations and that each of them has a very different relationship with the machine. Finch has a problem with that. And Root doesn't. And it's an interesting debate that they have, evolving debate they have between, like, how do we reconcile those different relationships? And can, like, will we work together? Can we work together? How do we work together? What's that? What's going to happen next is a really interesting thread that is going to be ongoing here. I think the thing that, like, truly differentiates that is that Root says, Mom still loves us both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's which, such a good to, line. To which Harold does not do that. He like, I think in his eyes, he is the machine's father. Yeah. Yeah. He absolutely views the machine as his child. Yeah. Which I think is just like, it's a really illuminating uh, bit yeah. there. I, that's such a good line though. In, in another show, it would feel off how fast Roots pivoted off of, you know, chunky peanut butter into smooth. <laughs> for lack of a more adept <laughs> metaphor. But in this one, it works because like 
she has been subjected to the the revelations of her God and she has embraced them and has had a lot of time to sit and think about it. Yeah. And is and it works. It's it's done really nicely. Um it doesn't feel at all forced that she's not the sociopath that she was at the end of last season. Yeah, and and it feels like her being captive in the library is almost almost feels like a sort of a continuation of her time in the institution that, you know, it seems like maybe she's doing the finishing touches on thinking through some of the stuff that started there. Yeah. With the with the exception that now she's now she's disconnected. So she can she can you know, she's thinking about it on her own. Yeah. And I think we'll see more of that in the next couple of episodes. Yeah. We'll talk about it more. But I think more importantly, I think this is it's her proving her good her it's a good faith effort or 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 gesture more than a gesture it's her demonstrating to not to the machine because the machine doesn't the machine knows her and doesn't need Mm -hmm. a good faith gesture from her but to finch and to the team of who she is now yeah and i think that's really important not just from a story sense or not just from like an in the world sense like a like between these characters but from a narrative sense it's important to see to show the the audience who who Root has become in the story. Yeah. And it works really nicely. I I, I mean, like this is I think like this is her this is like this is her Jesus going out into the desert and being tempted. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is that's her arc right now. But yeah, it, it's it's a fun thing here of like the her being I mean, she's gonna go. I, I'm not gonna like give anything specific. She's gonna go through hell this season to prove her faith. Uh, I guess. I guess I have that to look forward to. This season's so good. I love the window washer assassin. Yes, that was great. It's so stupid. I love it. Yeah. Um, I also just there's a lot of really fun like Carter and Fusco bits with like where they're bickering over how best to fake the crime scene and. She's like, no, 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 mimic the arterial spray. And he's like, no, I'm going for a hollow point special sort of motif. Like, don't, don't step on my creative. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have to justify call- my art to you, Carter. Yeah. Fusco calls the, the Swede dragon tattoo. Yes. <laughs> which is such a 2013 reference. Oh, yeah. I love Fusco's nicknaming. Has he, has he given Shaw her nickname yet? I don't think so. No, I I don't recall any. He has an amazing nickname for Shaw that that will or for Shaw is it Shaw or Root that he has that nickname for? Oh, they're like he's got nicknames for both of them. Um, yeah, he's he's got some great nicknames. He's he's got Harold's nickname is Glasses, right? Yeah, and he calls he calls Reese like Mister Happy, like Mister Happy Face, and Mister Mister Happy Times, and stuff like that. Or or tall, dark, and deranged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no he's got some really good ones for i can't god this is gonna bother me now he's got like my favorite nickname in the whole i think yeah. i anyway. think at one point uh finch got called uh mr good news <laughs> yeah yeah fosco's got some good nicknames and it's fun to see the two of them like work together to play hr in this episode mm-hmm. yeah although yeah. we'll we'll see how that we'll see how that shakes out at the end of the next episode we record do we have anything else to say about this Dumb episode. Can we move on to the good one? Do we want to talk about what Harold chooses as his emotional state image? Oh, yeah. It's a flock of birds. 
What was it gonna be? Was it gonna be bats? Like what else was Finch gonna or what else was Finch gonna take? Yeah, it's it's very fun. I thought maybe like the supernova or, or the eclipse or something, but no, it's it's the birds. Of course. Always yeah. the birds. It's like it's like expecting Reese to see something to not see like a gun or an explosion in an ink blot. Like Um All right. Episode eight. Yep. Um so that is gonna be Endgame. Written by Nick Van Zebrook and Michael Stupinski, directed by Sylvain White. Um, so I'm going to do the flashback because that that ends up getting referenced at the end of this. Um, our flashback is Carter's back when she first joins the force. Her ex shows up and he says that he's gotten better from his PTSD in the military, but Joss refuses to let him see their son until he gets professional help. He shows up one late at Joss's house and scares Carter when he gets frustrated, and she tells him to leave. Down the road, when she makes detective, uh, he visits again, and he's been doing better, and he shows her his ID card from the VA to show that he's getting professional help. In the present, we have 38 numbers. Um, <laughs> I it think turns that's a out, record so far. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, these are members of HR and the Russian mob because they're about to go to war. John gets called out to a scene Fusco is at where a Yogorov truck has been lost by HR. Um, we flash back to a previous day where Carter clones Quinn's phone after Lasky and Tierney's funeral. Carter spies on the meeting between the Russians and HR where they're having some disagreements about the shipment. John shows up at Carter's house and she insists that she needs to be the one to take HR down alone without John's involvement. John agrees and tells her to give him a call if she needs help. Yogorov finds a bullet in his meal, and it turns out the chef is our messy bitch Elias. He warns <laughs> that HR will betray the Russians. It turns out that he it turns out he did that on the orders of Carter, and Carter warns Elias to keep a low profile. We then see the truck of the Russians was stolen, in fact, by uh, Carter. Um, the boys think it's Shaw, but Shaw confirms it was Carter, who, as it turns out, left a burner with Alonzo Quinn's number at the scene. Yogorov calls Quinn and threatens to Quinn to return the shipment or else he'll use the HR files Elias provided. Carter, just to enhance things, takes a sniper shot at Quinn, uh, posing as a Russian. HR arrests a number of Russians, so Carter visits Yogorov to protect him by arresting him and taking him to a sheriff's office outside the city. She shows what she has to Yogorov and convinces him to turn witness. As a tense situation starts to brew between HR and the Russians in a shady construction site, the FBI shows up. Carter tips them off and the FBI finds the drugs, arresting HR and the Russians. Carter calls a judge for a warrant to arrest Quinn, but the judge immediately calls Quinn to tell him. Before Carter goes to arrest Quinn, she calls Paul and her son and then goes to the judge, Paul being her ex. However, Quinn is there with HR and as they are about to kill Carter, she reveals that the conversation was being recorded. Reese storms in, saving the day. Reese and Carter take Quinn, but Simmons takes a picture from the dash cams, telling his associates at HR that the man in the suit dies. Tonight. Dun, 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 dun. Yep. I love that fucking Reese recognizes the grenade launcher before he recognizes Carter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And he's like, that's my grenade launcher. <laughs> Wait, is that my grenade launcher? Is that Carter? Like in that order? Yeah, yeah. I love, I love, and then Shaw just like turns out she can't handle a thirty-seven mil. Yeah, and Shaw's so proud. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't think proud is the word. (laughs) Yeah. You can do both. It's, this is a a phenomenal setup episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that Carter has gone fully off the fucking reservation on HR here. Yeah. She's She's, like, she's, she's channeling John to the point that she gets the John music. Yes. Well, and she does his move. Yeah. She yeah, which is grenade launchers into the cab of the of the truck we- wearing a ski mask. It's literally his move. Yeah. yeah. Honestly love that for her. And, and gets yeah. the like blah 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 music to go along yeah. with it, which is great. Oh yeah. Yeah. Love it. And but even though she's like on the one hand, she's gone completely off the rails, and but on the other hand, she has she has taken care of all of the loose ends so that there is not, in fact, collateral damage. Like that, she she arranges for the FBI mm-hmm. to pick up everybody, and like each as mm-hmm. the team is following her, they keep being like worried that she's just gone like completely nuts and has thrown all caution yeah. to the winds. But but she hasn't. Like she's actually being like very methodical. Yeah, other than the fact that the judge is corrupt, right yeah. up until that moment, she's got everything lined up. And then even then, she calls for backup. So she's kind of got that under control. Yeah. But it's like, man. In so much as they don't die right away. Yeah. But it's like, man, Carter, like, if you were going to involve the team in one thing, it would be vetting that fucking judge. Right? Because, like, that's something yeah. that they can do. Like, without being, like, without, you know, damaging her investigation. Yeah, I feel like Finch could have fucking, like, looked up his Bank of America transactions and figured out whether this guy, or looked up his phone record and see see him making calls straight to Quinn. Like, I mean, hell, don't they have a judge who owes them back from season one? There you go. They could have called that guy. But that would remind us that that episode exists. (laughs) Fair. fair but that, that's, that's the fair. that's the one like bone i had to pick with this episode is that like i can absolutely see why carter doesn't want john involved in like anything else that her reasoning that like no she has to do this and i'll put air quotes around this by the book um <laughs> to you know to take them down air quotes legally um yeah and john is a air quotes criminal Says the person who just emulated his favorite tactic. Right. But, but like, come on, you know that, you know that this, you know, John and Harold have like the ability to get absolutely bananas information on anybody. Like, give them a list of 10 judges and have them pick one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. But it works out okay. Like, it works out okay in the way that it works. Um, I also like when the cops, all, the HR cops have all of the Russians lined up, like to execute them and the FBI rolls up and the cops are all, we found these Russians. We got a tip off. Uh, we're not about to kill all these guys that we have lined up in a random empty lot with their hands tied behind their back. This is legit. This is a to- and the this FBI's is to- guy. A totally legal firing squad. What yeah. are you talking about? And the FBI guy's like, that's funny. We heard something too. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just the cop is like totally trying to like talk his way out of this and is just like, 
Yeah, yeah, we heard that you have a bunch of drugs in your trunk. It was a it was like a comical amount of cocaine. Yeah, yeah, it's it's enough to build an igloo. It's like an igloo building amount of cocaine. <laughs> uh, I also like Elias doing the Joey and uh, fucking with the Russians' food to oh, show yeah. dominance over them. Uh, I thought that was very funny. Although I feel like it's one thing to like reach across and eat somebody else's food to show dominance, but it's another thing to like put a bullet in it. But, but That's, there's that. And then the fact that he's like in the back room cooking and being yeah, like, which, and being like, and bossing their me. chef around. Yeah, yeah. 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 My king. He's such a, oh, I love a lie. Like I said, he is a messy, messy bitch. And like, this isn't even the most dramatic thing he does in this arc. Yeah. No. No, we'll get there. Uh, um, uh, and he, not only does he like, not only does he put a bullet in Peter Ogros' food, he then cooks a, a makeup meal for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such because a Because he's move. like, no, 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 that food wasn't any good anyway. I need to make you something better. <laughs> Which is yeah. honestly the most aggressively Italian thing you could ever do. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I love Elias. Oh. One of one of my favorite bits on this episode is the the moment where John opens up Carter's closet and sees <laughs> Carter's yes. board, and we immediately pan over to Finch's board, and they're the <laughs> yeah. same board. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's. Uh, I need to stuff. I need to do like freeze frame and like compare them, but they're essentially the exact same board, and it's fantastic. Yeah, I the only it. thing missing from the board is the red string right. on hers. And, and 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 like and they don't know that uh they don't know about Quinn. But it's the or, it it goes at this the the board the board comes together like that at the moment where that where Finch puts Quinn in at the top. And oh, then right, you right, see yeah. both of them like one frame after another and it's like yeah. oh, it's the same board. Yeah. Yeah. Keep yeah, it's pretty good. Wrong episode's talk. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I also like. I didn't realize that Fusco spoke Russian. I mean, I assume that he at least like, may, I, or maybe doesn't speak it, but but understands it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what it appeared to be. But I thought that was cool. Yeah, he seems he seems like the sort of person who would be potentially good at learning learning to understand languages, but not so much at learning to speak them. Yeah. Well, can you imagine fair. Fusco's accent layered over any other language? Oh God! Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad that like I, I I it's I I don't miss or it's like it's not like I don't miss doing the Lado voice, but I'm glad that we're using like real world accents now, so it's like I don't have to attempt anything, to, <laughs> and so I like I can avoid offending uh, actual <laughs> real people. Centauri yeah. do not have rights. <laughs> uh, oh, there's a bit in this episode that like I really laughed at, Re- like. When Reese breaks into Carter's place, he's like, I never use the front door. And then later in the episode, he fucking does. Uh, yeah. Which is very, which is just like, no, John, you're just trying to sound cool. You're a freaking liar. It's, it's, liar McLiar face. He's extremely extra about like what a, what a sneaky ninja he is. He, he real like, 
he exists. Like, he thinks he isn't, but he is just as dramatic as as the person who trained him. He is just as messy as Kara is. Yeah. Do we have more about this episode? We've gone really fast. Yeah. Because that first episode is so basically... It's like there's nothing to say about that first it's, episode. There's like a, it's like a little bit of a nothing burger. Um, and even this one, the first one of the triptych, like it is more of a. Uh, we should be clear that when we talk about uh, a triptych, we're talking about uh, Endgame, The Crossing, and The Devil's Share. Yeah, uh, those three are. I mean, look, don't sit. T- I, they're 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 a, a unit. Mm-hmm. Be aware when you sit down to watch one. So when we talk about like structure of person of interest, relevance is the end of act one, start of act two. But if you want to cut the show in half, this is the halfway. The, yeah. This mm-hmm. and the next four episodes we cover are the halfway point of the series. And that, that makes that makes agree. sense to me, you know, from from having watched through these two and the next two. Yeah. Yeah. Leth and Aletheia, we will get to next time, but those are, I would say that they, they are of a different substance, but they are just as important. Agreed. Interesting. Totally. Yeah. They're, um, yeah. And, they, and they're like, the, these five episodes sort of make this like bridge. Uh, this is one of those periods of transition. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll get there when we talk about those yeah. last, about yeah. those last two. There's there's a couple of other things in this one. So we've got uh we've got uh bear bear is getting a Kevlar vest. Oh yeah, that's yes. very cute. It's just very very cute. <laughs> I like it. I like that. I love that Reese feels obligated to to specify that he does not mean like a suit vest, like a waistcoat. <laughs> he means a bulletproof vest. <laughs> and I can't tell. I legitimately can't tell. If he's fucking with with Finch, or if he feels like this is a legitimate clarification that he needs to make, he's probably he's probably seen he's probably seen Harold shopping for tweed vests I for the go- dog. I was gonna say, yeah, he probably it's probably a little bit of both. Like, yeah, I mean, he's probably he's already been fitted for a a service dog vest, service dog vest. But yeah. you actually, and you do like you you do need to be like. Not necessarily properly fitted, but like for a Kevlar vest to properly work, it has to be like secured. Like yeah. you can't just like don one and you actually has to be like tight. Yeah. You can't uh, just there's no off the there's no off the rack bulletproof vest is what you're saying. Everything is custom. Oh, I mean you uh like if you have the option, I would assume that you'd wanna get it like properly sized so that it's comfortable and think, not just like you've Do you think do you think Finch has not a, just like uh, a bulletproof vest guy? Like he's got a suit guy. I'm sure. I also like uh, other random things I liked about this episode was uh, Shaw referring to Finch and Reese as the boys. <laughs> yes. Oh, and we've also there was also another thing where at at some point at some point somebody says regarding the whole HR sitch that it's a powder keg about to explode. At which point my brain went straight to Hamilton. Um, and it was like, yes, that's because we have Aaron Burr this season. Sadly, this predates Hamilton. (sighs) Dang. That's, it's so funny that this, that they've got Leslie Odom Jr. in this season and he's playing like a revolution, a guy obsessed with revolutionary war cosplaying. 
and this is years <laughs> before he's in Hamilton. Yeah, because yeah, like, Hamilton was like it was. I think it was like maybe pr- this was pre-Hamilton writing stages. Yeah, I just think it's wild that like he would attain his fa- like his real claim to fame doing that play, <laughs> and yet he's got he's already got like this in his background. Uh, do we have anything else to say about this this pair? Or are we ready to move on to the real shit show? I think we are. I think we're ready to move on to um, our main event, which for us will be in a few minutes, but for you will be in one week's time. We are going to be covering episodes nine and ten, the crossing, and the devil's share. Until next time, you are being watched. <laughs> The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license.